Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. In the last days, we as believers cannot afford to be inactive. God has called the church to be on the offense and not the defense. We cannot be paralyzed by fear in the last days for the revival that God wants to pour out on his church. We have got to be a church that is on the move. He's not saying don't be concerned about your finances. He's not saying don't be concerned about your job. He's not saying don't be concerned about your relationship. He's saying don't be distracted by it. He said, hey, that's my job. That's my responsibility. He's saying I'm the same God yesterday, today, and forever. I'm still Jehovah Jireh, and I want you to trust me. While you're still standing, uh, go with me, if you would, Mark chapter 4. And I'm going to start reading at verse 37. Mark chapter 4, 37. The Bible says, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And there awake him, and say unto him, Master, Carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And then jumping over to 2 Timothy chapter number 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. I just want to read one verse of Scripture. Verse number seven. Paul writes, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I just want to talk to us just for the next little bit. Uh, There's a question in my title. The question is the question that Jesus asked his disciples in Mark 4. And that question is, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? And you may be seated this morning. Um, over the past, uh, over the past two, three weeks, I, I feel like there's kind of been a theme um, that has been uh, going forth through the teaching and the preaching, um, and and it's on this subject kind of uh, of fear. And uh, I was sharing with the church this past Wednesday night, I believe it was, on some things that uh, I used to be afraid of whenever uh, I was a young 25-year-old. No, I'm just kidding. Whenever I was a young teenager. And, uh, you know, there are just some things that you're afraid of as you're uh, a child, even to this day. I mean... Uh, I'm secure in my manhood and everything, but every once in a while, there's some things that will kind of scare me a little bit. Last night, I was walking through the house, shutting off all the lights, and we have this uh, <laughs> we have this sliding door on the back side of our house that walks out onto the deck, and um, all the lights were off, and so I had gone to make sure that that 
that door was locked. And so I didn't want to turn back on the light. So I walk over to the door and you know, at night you always feel like there's somebody on the outside of that door. Maybe I'm the only one, but I'm walking through the house and I've got my, my flashlight on my phone on and I'm just kind of like looking and I go over by the door and we've got the, those valances, the blinds that are shut. And so I, and when I opened up the blinds, uh, my flashlight hit my reflection in the door, and there was a man standing there with his cell phone. And I was struck with fear <laughs> for a split second. I didn't scream or anything because I'm a pastor, uh, but... I was afraid for maybe a split second. All right. You know, there are some things that you are afraid of uh, in life. And, uh, you know, I was sharing with you some things that I was afraid of as a kid. I was afraid of storms and tornadoes and spiders. That's still today. And snakes is still today. Um uh, you know, I was, I, I shared with you, I was afraid of staying the night over at a friend's house. It's just not my cup of tea. And, uh, because I, I can remember trying to go stay the night at a friend's house only to 1130, be, you know, making the phone call. Hey, mom, dad, can you come pick me up? I decided I don't want to stay the night anymore. I never said I was scared to stay the night. I just decided I'd rather stay at home. I remember uh, Raquel, Mallory's cousin, who uh, right after maybe Mallory and I had been married about a year, uh, she wanted to come stay the night. So her and Alana decided to come and stay the night. Little did I know that that experience would have us sitting in our car at almost midnight at St. Labore as we were meeting her parents who were driving down from Highland. So it made me feel kind of good that I wasn't the only one who, you know, had that fear. And uh, yes, no mention she was a young girl. <laughs> you know, thankfully, as I get older, almost all of these fears, with the exception of the spider and the snake, I hit a golf ball the other day that went down into a little ravine area, and I looked down and I saw a snake, and I said, see you later, golf ball. I don't care how much you cost. Uh, I still, anybody else still afraid, no matter how old, young you get, spiders and snakes, oh my. You know, most of my fears are pretty common ones. Uh, most people share these fears of, you know, I'm afraid of a spider, I'm afraid of a snake, or maybe even a, a, a storm. But you know, there, there are some, there are some weird phobias out there. If you get a chance, maybe just Google, uh, you know, the top, 25 phobias, and this is actual things that people are afraid of. Um, here's this one, Somni, somnophobia, which is the fear of falling asleep. How in the world, I mean, could you be married to this person? I, I, the fear of falling asleep. Or how about this one? This one is xenophobia. It is the fear of the color yellow. I would love to see this person in New York City whistling for a cab, a uh, taxi, <laughs> and run in the complete opposite direction. They say in most severe cases that people are even afraid of the phrase yellow. 
not to mention just seeing the color yellow, the phrase yellow. So crazy. Uh, or there's spectrophobia, which is scared of your own reflection. A reflection. That was me last night, you know. If you're scared of your own reflection, I would love to see how your morning goes. I would love to see you just brush your teeth, wash your face, and then just look up, and there you are staring yourself right in the mirror. Uh, or how about this last one, asiminotrophobia, which is afraid of mismatched socks. I love this person. I love this person. I can tell you uh, we need to get this right in our lives. Your socks need to match, people. All right, moving on. Um, there are so many weird fears, weird phobias, things that, that actual things that people are afraid of, that, that causes people to be anxious, that causes people, uh, to worry and to, and to fret and, uh, and, and sticking on this theme of, of, of fear. Um, I, I, I've said this before. You've heard me say that, that I believe that fear, it is a distraction. All right. It is a, a distraction that I believe the enemy uses on the believer in order to get our eyes focused on something that is not really happening, something that is not really scary. All right? Fear, by definition, is an unpleasant emotion that's caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, that someone or something is likely to cause pain, or they are a threat. Another definition puts it this way, that fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. It's an emotion which tends to take over your mind. And that emotion causes negative thinking. It causes anger and even more fear. How about that? It causes more fear. Fear is an emotion that is induced by a threat perceived by living entities which causes a change in brain and organ function and ultimately a change in behavior such as running away or hiding or freezing from traumatic events. And here's the deal. Fear may occur in, in, in response to uh, a, a specific thing happening in the present or uh, uh, in, the, in, a fu- in the future. You know, you start to think about what tomorrow holds or what next year holds or, or where am I going to be five years from now. And some of us get so frozen in the moment because we are fearful of, wh- or wh- of what might happen or what's going to happen to us. And we, we, we kind of have this little bit of vulnerability that that happens where we're not really sure. Maybe we won't, won't even be here five years from now or ten years from now. Now, I believe, as I said earlier, that fear is a distraction. And I believe that one of the biggest weapons that the enemy of our souls is using in the last days is distraction, all right? He's trying to distract us away from our ultimate goal. And how is he doing it, Bryce? How is he distracting us? Well, he's doing it through fear. He's doing it through worry. He's doing it through anxiety because he knows that those things are not good for us. And those things will distract us. They will keep you from living in the perfect will of God. 
Medical doctors estimate that more than 25% of their patients are what they have called the worry well. Doctors spend a great chunk of time examining people who are not sick. Examining people who have no illness, they're only worried. Worry is the diet of our day. We are plagued by the what if question. What if we have a what if problem? Well, what if, what if I, what if I wreck my car today? What if I, what if I get laid off? What if someone breaks into our home? What if I get cancer? If I, if I have a job, we worry that we'll lose it. And if we have good health, we worry that we won't have it very long. Is this, is this okay this morning? From breakfast, Until bedtime, our lives are characterized by fear. Our lives are characterized by what we are afraid of. There is even people whose biggest worry is that they can't think of something to worry about. How many know those people? (laughs) Well, if everything is going good in my life, I just don't want to linger in that because something bad is bound to happen. Please hear me this morning. Fear is a distraction that the devil is using in these last days because one thing that fear does is it paralyzes you into a life of no action. All right? It paralyzes you into a life of no activity. And as we said a couple Wednesday nights ago, in the last days, we as believers cannot afford to be inactive. God has called the church to be on the offense and not the defense. We cannot be paralyzed by fear in the last days for the revival that God wants to pour out on his church. We have got to be a church that is on the move. The Bible mentions two specific types of fear. All right. The first is very beneficial and it's to be encouraged, but the other is a detriment and it's to be overcome. The first one is the fear of the Lord. You've heard us mention this before, the fear of the Lord. This type of fear does not necessarily mean that you are afraid of something. Rather, it is a, it is a reverential awe. We stand in awe of God. We stand in reverence of His power and His glory. And it is also a proper respect for His wrath and His anger. We say, God, we fear you. That means you are magnificent. You are all powerful. You are almighty. You are the mighty God. All right. That is the fear of the Lord. In other words, the fear of the Lord is a total acknowledgement of all that God is. And that comes through having a relationship with God. All right? That comes through because when you don't have a relationship with God, those that don't have a picture of God who is a dictator and he sits up on his throne and he's got this big hammer waiting on us to sin and fall short of his glory and to punish us. But our God is a God of love and God went and created a place where we might spend eternity with him. He doesn't want to punish you. But you don't know that unless you have a relationship with him. And then your fear is properly directed. Does that make sense? sense. All right. 
The fear of the Lord brings blessings. The fear of the Lord brings benefits. The Bible speaks of those that fear the Lord having wisdom, having discipline. It provides security. It provides a place of safety for those that fear God. The second type of fear is not beneficial, but one that needs to be overcome. And that is the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Did you know that a spirit of fear does not come from God? I love how Jesus begins to speak to us on this matter of worry and fear. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus begins to discuss worry. And he has just told the people not to let the money be their master. He says this, no man can serve two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. But Jesus knew that the reason a lot of people let money be their master is because they are worried about tomorrow. They are worried about the future. You see, the average person thinks his worries would be solved if his, inco- if his income increased a little bit. If only we had a little more money, if only we had a little more provision, we wouldn't have to worry. If I had more money in my bank account, I wouldn't have to fear for tomorrow. Can I tell you this morning that it's one thing to have a full and healthy bank account and be okay with what your checkbook says, but it's an entirely different thing to have a full and wealthy soul. Church, let that be your mindset this morning. Lord, don't let me get caught up and distracted and relying on the things of this world. But let me be able to say at the end of the day, it is well with my soul. No matter what I have or what I don't have, I know that I got you. I may not have all the money in the world, but that's not what I need. I need a God that I can rely on. I need a God who I can depend on. I need to trust that he watches over me. The same God who puts my enemies beneath my feet, he's there no matter what kind of day I'm having. If it's a good day or a bad day, he's there and he's for me. And he's constantly saying, fear not, fear not, don't be troubled, I'm with you always. Do you believe that this morning, church? Do you believe that the Lord is for you and not against you? A couple things I notice in the scripture, one is God's definition of worry. The Bible says, therefore I say to you, do not worry. Don't worry. Worry in this passage, it means to have a, 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 a distracting care. A distracting care. It's the same word that is used in Philippians chapter 4. I believe it's verse 7 that says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So what I want you to get this morning is a scriptural 
definition of worry is a distracting care resulting, hear me, from assuming responsibility that is not yours. Assuming responsibility that is not yours. Here's the deal. God's not saying don't be concerned about your health. What he's saying is don't let that become such a distracting care that it's all that you can think about. He's not saying don't be concerned about your finances. He's not saying don't be concerned about your job. He's not saying don't be concerned about your relationship. He's saying don't be distracted by it. He said, hey, that's my job. That's my responsibility. He's saying I'm the same God yesterday, today, and forever. I'm still Jehovah Jireh, and I want you to trust me. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. Why are you afraid when you have a God who sits on the throne and says, I got you. Worry and fear, they're distracting you. They're distracting us away from living in God's will. And accomplishing our goals as Christians. You remember John 10? John 10 and 10 says, The thief cometh to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The word destroy here can also be taken to mean (laughs) distract. Distract. He will do everything he can to distract us so that he can do what? Steal from us, kill us, and destroy our soul. Well, Bryce, how's he going to do that? How's he going to accomplish that? Through fear. Through worry. Anxious living. Well, I'll just get them to start worrying about their finances. I'll just, I'll just get them to start thinking that they're going to lose their job or that they're getting a little bit sick, that there's an illness that's coming upon them that they're not going to be able to overcome. They'll, and I'll just get them to start thinking one way when really it's another way. I'll get them to go this way when God wants them to go this way. I'll start think, get them to think in the negative when they should be dwelling on the positive. You know what it is? Distraction, distraction, distraction. It's taking our sights off of God and His power. And our lives begin to be dictated by our fear and worry. And we start living and planning our lives by our own will instead of that of God's. This building will not happen if we are dictated by fear. Revival at Landmark will not happen if we are dictated by our worry and our anxious living. That's what God's saying in Matthew 6. There is more to life than what you're worrying about. There is more to life than what you're seeing. 
He goes on to say, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? He said, take a look. Look at the birds. And the more you watch them, you see that they get food without the normal activities of sowing and reaping that a farmer uses. God's relationship with them is as the creator and his creation. The Bible says if God takes care of his creation, he's going to take care of his children. He says, are you not more value than they? He goes on to say in verse 31, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Your heavenly Father knows. He knows that you need all these things. Can I tell you this morning that God knows? Can I tell you this morning that God knows where you're at and what you need? He he knows how much a gallon of gas is. He knows how much it's going to cost next month. He knows how much groceries you need in your house. He knows about that car repair that you're going to need next week. He knows how much you have in the bank and how much you're going to need. Church, my God knows where you're at. He knows what you need. I believe with all of my heart, it's not God's desire that we live lives of fear, but we live lives that I trust you, Jesus. I lean on you, Jesus. I know you, Jesus, that you are for me and not against me. It's not God's will that we wreck ourselves with worry and fear over things that are in God's control. Boy, if we could just grasp that concept. Control what you can control and let God do the rest. The problem is, is we try to make ourselves God. We try to sit in his seat We try to make the call, and the problem is, at the end of the day, we can't fill those shoes because there's only one who sits on the throne, and his name isn't Bryce, but his name is Jesus Christ. And trust me, there will be those that say, well, why aren't you worried about this? Our... Are you, are you, are you a little bit worried? Man, this week I found out that my car needs a, needs a, a very expensive repair done. <laughs> a very expensive. <laughs> can I still, uh, limp it around town a little bit? You better believe I can, but, uh, yeah, I said, they, I said, how much is this? Uh, can you give me kind of a ballpark? Well, they said 99% of the time when it's this issue, it means getting a new transmission. And I said, okay, you know, I'm trying to remain calm on the phone and, you know, not totally lose it. Um, and I said, can you give me kind of a ballpark idea of what I'd be looking at to get a fix? She said, here? Uh, yes, there. Is it, and just let you know, is that a dealer? Okay. Um, she said, probably what you're looking at is low end 12 grand on the high end 15 grand. I know that's an expensive oil change, right? So I scheduled it for Tuesday. Just kidding. Woo. 
I can tell you right now, if I had that kind of money, it would not be repairing a car. All right? I'm buying a small island somewhere for that. A franchise. There will be people, aren't you worried about that? Aren't you worried about this situation? Aren't you worried about where you're at? Aren't you worried about where this is going to come from? And I just say, not when my God is in control. Not when I know who I'm walking with. Not when I know who I'm serving. Come on, when you get that kind of faith, when you know who Jesus is, you can say, hey, you may think the world's in control, but I serve a God who controls all things. And I choose, I said, I choose to cast my cares upon him. You know why? Because I know he cares for me. Jesus covers another thing in Matthew 25. And it's an important thing. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. So God, what he's saying is he's saying, concern yourselves with your father's business and he'll concern himself with your business. I want you to get that. Concern yourself with the father's business and he'll concern himself with your business. He's basically saying, hey, if you're going to worry, worry about something that has to do with the kingdom of God, all right? If we're going to worry and fret, why don't we worry how we're going to win this city? Why don't we worry about how we're going to see revival? Why don't we worry about how we're going to advance the kingdom of God? If you're going to worry, worry about studying the word. Worry about getting a better prayer life. Worry about becoming a better witness. Because if we'll concern ourselves with his business, he'll concern himself with ours. Hear me today. If he's where he ought to be in your life, everything else will be where it ought to be. If God is where he's supposed to be in your life, you won't have to fear. There would be no need to worry. And this is where I believe the doorway to fear is open. Remember John 10 and 10, that the enemy came to steal, to kill, and to destroy or distract. Your enemy, church, wants to destroy you. All right? He wants to distract you. And so he starts slipping in these little worries, these little fears here and there, and he slowly starts to get our attention, and we start worrying. Well, what if this happens? What if I lose my job? What if uh, What if the doctor's report isn't good? What if the phone call comes that I, I, I didn't want to come? What if that phone call comes? What if, what if, what if, what if? All that time spent in fear, spent in worry, God is being removed from his rightful place in our life. We're getting further and further and further away. We're distracted. Our lives, our actions, our responses, they're all dictated by what we are afraid of. And what happens is your relationship with God takes a backseat ride because of your fear. God gets put on the back burner because we have made our fears and our worries our entire world. 
We have set what we are afraid of on the throne. And that's because it's all we can see. It's all that we can see, problems, fears, anxiety, and we've made our situation so big that we can't see or remember how much God loves us. We can't remember what that scripture is, that something that God might be for me. We can't remember his word. We can't remember where he's at, and we can't see God, and we can't remember that he cares for us. Fear is present in your life when you have lost sight of how much God loves you. Why are you so afraid today? I'll tell you why people are fearful. Because they have lost sight of Jesus. Because what fear makes any sense at all? When the God who created the universe is head over heels in love with you. What fear, my brothers and sisters, makes any sense at all when you understand that the God of it all is head over heels in love with you. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. You, my friend, are fearful today because you have lost sight of just how much God loves you. Because if you really understood it, if you could just get a glimpse of it, if you would place God back in his rightful position and know how much he loves you, I'm here to tell you and encourage you, you don't have to walk out of here this morning fearful of what might happen. You don't have to be fearful of tomorrow. You won't have to wonder where the money's going to come from. You won't have to worry about the doctor's visits because God is saying, fear not, I love you and I'm for you. But when we're afraid, we can't hear it. And we can't see it. We can't see where God is at in the situation. Fear has caused us to lose sight of him. That's what happened in our text this morning. Mark chapter 4. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go to the other side and Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats, the Bible says. And here's where it gets interesting. There arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a boat before that you thought might sink. I can tell you I have been. My dad launched us out in his bass boat one time and the plug in the bottom was not there. And all of a sudden, the boat started to fill up with water. And I was strong, but very weak. (laughs) I'm telling you, if you've ever been in a moment like that in a situation, you learn how to pray. You learn how to call on the Lord. You're like, oh God, if you are going to 
I need you to get me out. And so this is the type of situation. I'm just kind of painting a picture of where we're at in Mark chapter 4. Maybe a little bit more extreme than a 12-foot John boat. But anyways, this is the kind of situation where they're thinking this is the end. We're, we're going to die. This is, this is massive panic. We're going down is what they think. And verse 38 says this. And he was in part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they woke him up and they said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And the Bible says that he got up and he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down. It was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, he said, why are you afraid? How is it that you have no faith? He said, guys, I'm on the boat. I'm here. And you've seen me do great things. Why are you panicking? Why are you afraid? Verse 41 says they were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So our music comes this morning. When you do a little research you will discover that the Sea of Galilee is about 680 feet below sea level. And it is surrounded by all of these mountains. And so according to the experts, this is the perfect place. Hear me. This is the perfect place for a storm to blow up out of nowhere. It's the perfect place for a storm to all of a sudden, suddenly happen. And it's very, very common for a storm to explode into the Sea of Galilee with very little warning at all. It's kind of like around here. We experience this type of weather around here, don't we? Where all of a sudden a storm can come over the river and just either just uh, totally crumble or explode into something that we got to bunker down and we've got to head for shelter. The other day I golfed and I experienced all four seasons in one day. Did we not? I had 18 layers on in the morning. <laughs> it can be a beautiful day. And then out of nowhere, massive storms can hit. You know what's interesting is as you go through life, sometimes life can be so good and so normal and then out of nowhere massive storms come into your life it could be you're one of the best employees at work you work hard you put in an honest day's uh, 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 work and and you do your job well and then all of a sudden you find out the company's laying off and you do the math you're one of the new guys and you think okay you realize your number's probably up. Out of nowhere, things were great. And then boom, you're out of a job. It could be anything. 
We, we don't have the privilege of seeing the storms that are coming. It just comes out of nowhere and you feel like the rug's been pulled out from under you and you don't even know how you're going to make it. You think your family's good. You think your kids are good. And then all of a sudden, you know, you prayed with them so much and you're, you're expecting your child to do great things for God. And all of a sudden, you find out that they're not on the right track and you find out they're not in the truth. And suddenly, when they're making bad decisions, it's a storm out of nowhere in your life. And suddenly in those storms, it doesn't matter what else is going well in your life. Everything zeroes in on that and you find that you're in the middle of a storm. Can I be really honest with you this morning? What's always interesting to me is church people are sometimes the best at hiding the storms that they're in. Some of you right now, you look totally fine. But behind that smile, you're in the middle of a storm. And maybe nobody even knows about it. Nobody knows the private storm that you're going through. Sometimes people look and they're like, man, that, that family has it all together. They got, he's got a perfect job. They've got the perfect family. But really, if we could see them behind closed doors, you don't realize how afraid they are. You don't realize that there are people under the sound of my voice that cry themselves to sleep, that feel alone. Even the pressure of good things happening in their life, sometimes it feels like way too much. And even though that they're blessed in different ways, they think there's no way that I can keep going at this pace. And so we come to church, we put our tie on, we put our smile on, yet on the inside you're a storm. And nobody knows about it. So many of us so often our lives are in the middle of things that we just didn't see coming and we would never ever choose it. But I want to encourage you today. There are things that you need to remind yourself of when you're in a storm. There are things that we have to remember and embrace when you're going through a storm. And here's one, and I hope this is good news to you, that you are in the storm with the presence of the Almighty God. You're in the storm with the presence of our good, good Father. Verses 37 and 38 of Mark 4 says that the the winds came and the waves broke over the boat, said it was nearly swamped. But we see in verse 38, Jesus is where? Where's he at? He's in the boat. He is in the boat. Here's what happens so often. I believe a lot of people think, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If I'm with Jesus, there shouldn't be a storm, Bryce. 
If I gave my life to him and I'm following him, therefore it should be smooth sailing for the rest of my life. And I need to tell you this morning that that's not true. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Jesus never promised if you come to him, life will be easy. It will be storm-free. In fact, the reality church is often the opposite. You see, when you move from darkness to light, suddenly you step into the middle of a spiritual battle and you need to know that this morning you see christianity is not a playground but it's a battleground and it's a battleground between forces of darkness and forces of light and when you step onto the side of light suddenly the darkness is now against you Suddenly you face opposition. Hear me today. You start praying. You start getting a prayer life. You start fasting. And you watch the fight against you. To think just because I'm with Jesus and Jesus is on the boat that nothing should go wrong is a distortion of the message of the gospel. Church, he never promised that if he's on the boat that the storm will not rock you. But he does promise it will not sink you. Why? Because he is for us and not against us. And to have him on the boat, to have him in your life, it's a total game changer. It makes all the difference. Do you stand with me this morning? There are so many people who try to do it without him. And I'm telling you, that's the times when the boat capsizes. When he's not there with you, you haven't invited him. There was an article written about how older people live longer. I find this really interesting. Hear me out. Closing moments article written about how older people actually live longer if there's something else living in the house really kind of interesting if you're older you should take notes and this is me not looking at anyone in this room but this is what the article said you live longer when there's anything else living in the house, anything at all, it could be a house plant, it could be a fern, it could be a cute dog, a little lap dog, an ugly dog, a deaf dog, it can be a goldfish. It could be a hamster or a gerbil. It could be a bird, a ferret. Some research claims that it can even be certain kinds of cats. The research is still out on that one, though. Nothing has been confirmed. But what the research will tell you is that older people live longer when there's something living 
inside the house. And even now, every now and then, some of you, you're going to be in the middle of a storm. You can't help that. It rains on the just and the unjust. You're going to be in the middle of the storm. And hear me, it's going to get really, really bad. It's going to get really, really dark. And people are going to see you in your situation. And they're going to say, Brother Bishop, how are you making it through this? How are you going through what you're going through? How are you enduring this? How come your world is falling apart and yet you're not falling apart? How come everything is going wrong and yet you still have this quiet confidence how do you have this deep assurance in the middle of the storm and you're going to be able to say because there's someone that's living in my house there's someone in the house that's not dead but he's alive and it's not just life but it's the author of life got Jesus in the boat and he is here he is present and he's not against me and he's for me and when you know that when you're filled with the Holy Ghost you can walk through a storm with all comfort you can walk through a storm with all peace why because when he's living in the house you can sense his power you can sense his comfort you can sense him Don't ever let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. And that's why people are afraid. It's because they're missing out on the greatest miracle of all that God fill, can fill you with His Spirit, that He can put His Spirit on the inside of you, and it is a comforter. Why are you afraid? Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.